y'all. It's time for Rolling Dice and Taking Names. In this At the Table episode, Justin Jacobson and Rob Davio from Restoration Games give the details on what happened with the Thunder Road Vendetta Kickstarter, the future of the game, and updates on upcoming games from the publisher. Welcome to episode number 242, a special edition of Rolling Dice and Taking Names at the Table. Once again, we have two gentlemen who we love having on this show, and quite frankly, I am really surprised one of them is here because, like him, I want to go watch the Boston Red Sox play some baseball. Marty, can you believe it? Justin and Rob are here. I can believe it because I'm staring at them right now. So Justin and Rob from Restoration Games uh, wanted to come on tonight and talk with us for a bit. And like I was telling Rob before we got on, right as of this moment, the Boston Red Sox, I believe, are up two to one in the uh, in the uh, championship series. Yeah, to be fair, we scheduled this before the end of the baseball season where I'm like, I don't even know if they'll make the wild card. If they make the wild card, they're not getting by the Yankees. And if they get the best of the Yankees, they're not getting by the Rays. So I'm sure that night is free. <laughs> That's right. So tonight's a pivotal game, Rob, because you win, you're up 3-1. You lose, it's a three-game series. This 2-1 time, this, this is a tough game right here. I, I, thank you for putting in the second person like I have anything well, to do I was, with I was going to ask you, how, how's your arm feeling tonight? Do you feel like you got some strikes in you tonight? Are you going Are you going mow them down? You know, I'm feeling good. I, I really, I'm just doing my routine. I'm just uh, warming up. It's just another game, um, you know. Diamond's the same size. Mound is the same height. I, I have a question as a uh, South Florida sports fan. What is postseason sports? I'm not, I'm not familiar uh, I, with this concept. I, I, I don't want to ruin the surprise. Well, here's the thing. I love having Rob on during this time because every time we do this, I, I remind everybody, I can't remember the last time a team that I pull for, the Reds, they have done anything in the postseason. So I just try to live through other people. It just happens to be you that one of those may be the Braves, and the Braves are big around this area. And I never did like the Braves because of the fans around here. If we got a Braves-Red Sox World Series, it's going to be interesting. Battle of Boston. I mean, if it was like 60, 80 years ago. For those who don't know what he's referencing, the Braves started <laughs> out in Boston. So how have you gentlemen been doing? Justin, how how you feeling? Everything going good down there? Uh, yeah, everything's going pretty good. We're busy. <laughs> yeah, the last time we talked, it was all about logistics. You got that straightened out finally? Uh, so, uh, <laughs> those boats Come on, out? Tony. Tony, you're just putting I, your finger uh, right I, in the I, open I'll room. say this. I, I, I think I might have so I, I I said this last time. I can't. I've said it a, a few times. I feel like we're sort of at the level part now where things aren't continually getting worse, at least. <laughs> They've sort of leveled off. Uh, and in point of fact, I don't want to jinx anything, but we literally just had a shipment uh, arrive on time, got offloaded a port pretty much on time, and got to the warehouse relatively on time. So, you know, knock on wood that that continues. Are these restocks? So this was, yeah, the, the shipment today was, uh, that hit the warehouse today is a reprint of Robin Hood versus Bigfoot Unmatched set. Nice. And we had to have a couple more reprints coming in uh, from some other stuff. Uh, Battle Legends Volume 2 is officially on a boat. That's nice to hear. And then obviously we have Dark Tower. We have the first three containers of, I think it's like 12 <laughs> that uh, will be are already on a boat that are coming over. And Hopefully not 12 games. Yeah, no, 12 <laughs> containers. Three containers of 12 yeah. games. <laughs> that would be an awesome Kickstarter to show up. 
Yeah, you 36 people are lucky. That would be one big game. You're going to have to have your own version of the Squid Game to see who ends up with those 12 copies. I think it would be the Squid Game. If it were if there were 12 <laughs> games to a container, that would be a very big tower. I always want to say, it's so funny. When I talk about Unmatched and Undaunted, I will get those two <laughs> crossed all the time. But Unmatched has been doing so well for y'all. I'm so happy that y'all found this product that has really long legs. Is that becoming like the evergreen type title for you? Uh, it, it could be. Uh, the past year and a half, I don't know if you watch news, but we've had a pandemic where a lot of things have been uh, disrupted. Uh, both our work schedule, we, our partnership with Mondo got very complex because they're part of Alamo Drafthouse. We have this great line and we have a lot of games that are done or almost done or at the warehouse or with license or approval. And once we sort of have have a lot of potential and a lot of sales and now we've got all this great product that will be flowing out that is going to be kind of like a buy one, get one next year. We don't actually get one for free. But I was going to say, we're gonna have like, Bogo, right? No, 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 no. We have a lot of product that coming out next year that I'm very excited. Like a year from now when the Red Sox are in the playoffs again, we can talk <laughs> about. Um, or well, let me rephrase it. Next year at this time when the Marlins are not in the playoffs. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, we can we can really get a sense of how how broad this is and how you know the legs that I have. I am so I tell you I, I keep saying it over everybody says this is a no brainer when the Marvel themed unmatched stuff comes out. Come on, that's going to be so hot. So I, what I always say is I as long as people keep buying them, I will keep making them because it's easily the most fun thing that we work on. Like we literally will like draft to see who gets to do which decks, you know. And I was just saying the other day we. were uh, Brian and Noah, who are also obviously a very important part of the design team, we're working on a new uh, SKU that we haven't announced yet. And I said, you know what? I haven't designed a deck in a while. I want to get my hands dirty again and, and get another deck going. So, When is this coming out? I've lost track. I'm sorry. I, like Rob When's said. When's what coming out? The Marvel Unmatched. Which one? So again, the, the gods of logistics willing. <laughs> uh, it should be sort of spring of next year. Um, and... We'll see. It, it, you know, you never know things how things go, but spring of next year is pretty safe, ambiguous uh, time frame to say. And importantly, as we head into the convention season next year, assuming the conventions all happen at their regular times and not the delayed times, I'm expecting we'll have a very full slate of stuff that we would. We actually just got an award from Gaming Trend for. Actually, I have it right here: best lineup of soon to be released games <laughs> for Gen Con. Cannot argue with that. Oh, look so, at yeah. that. That is great. We have potential. That's, that's like our squirrely better late than ever. Award there you go. Sort of deal. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, we're, we're potential energy. The restoration <laughs> game. Today. Are all the Marvel sets coming out at the same time? Or are they uh, scattered? The first two will be out okay. in the spring. And then others will follow. And those are, can you say? Redemption Row, which is uh, Luke Cage, Ghost Rider, and uh, Moon Knight, Moon Knight, right? And then uh, yes. Hell's Kitchen, which is Electra, Bullseye, and Daredevil. Those are the first Ooh, two sets. There you go. There you go. Now, is the uh, Ghost Rider, can he transform back into Nicolas Cage? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what took so long. We had to get the likeness rights for uh, for Nicolas Cage. Bees! Yeah. Bees! <laughs> Your your grasp of the of the material is unparalleled, Tony. <laughs> unparalleled to you, I'm sure. No, no, an important question to you, sir, is what ha- what recipe have you tried lately that you have fallen in love with? Uh oh, Rob's been doing some cooking, so I know he has. We will see which he which he likes more: talking about cooking or the Red Sox game. Well, one I have control over. You said, sir, but I think you're talking yes. to me. Um, 
It's a Southern thing. It's always, I, I don't know if you understand that su- Southern, that can be derogatory or it can be positive, either one. Oh, well, bless your heart. There it is. I am very proud because yesterday I made a birthday dinner for 10 people and it was about six, not courses, but it was like family style, just stuff going out, which was sort of a mashup between New England fall and Northern Italy because two genres I know. And I, I did briefly look at the recipe for homemade focaccia and I did follow a recipe for carrot cake because I don't do a lot of baking. But the other stuff, 100% just rolled into someone's kitchen at 3 o'clock and at 6.30 had like eight courses. No recipe, wow. just telling people, cut this, do that. I need a vinaigrette. I need a cup of chicken broth. And just got like three pork tenderloins and a like a cider, apple cider, uh, rosemary reduction on the table and like roasted root vegetables. And then this I made up, it worked out really well, which is roasted oyster mushrooms in a soy butter glaze. Mm. Uh, three different types of focaccia, roasted garlic confit with a confit oil, uh, a salad. I had a soup at home. I forgot to put it in the car, so the soup will be my dinner tomorrow night. Uh, and then dessert was carrot cake and vanilla ice cream. And my wife, Lindsay, is a cake decorator, so I, I baked the cakes, and then she did just a wonderful job decorating and had a little decorative carrots mm-hmm. on top. And you say, well, that's not that unusual, except the carrots looked like they were planted. It was oh, just the tops nice. of the carrots coming out with the green like fronds on top. So it was, it was really cool. When were you in Charlotte? Three, four years ago? Something like that. Uh, About three years, three years ago. ago. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, because of Marty, it's all Marty's fault. I've been doing the Great British Baking Show, so I've been doing these bread things. And if I remember correctly. Oh, I made focaccia there, too. I was going to ask you, is that, if that's what I remember, Rob comes over, hey, how's it going? And his hands are all doughy. You remember that, Marty? Uh-huh. It was, yeah, I just done one of the turns. It's a very wet dough. It's 72% hydration. 72, not 73, not 74. It might be 73. I mean, I, I do weigh my stuff. But anyway, we're I, 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 the sound I hear is people tuning out of this no. podcast as we get. Oh, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> Hold on. You're, you want them to tune out? we we got to ask the thing. It's fall, y'all. So if you have a yard, have you prepped your yard with aeration and seeding? I just aerated and seeded today. I paid someone to do it, and I drank coffee and looked out the window. <laughs> and, and Justin has what? <laughs> Bermuda, so you don't do anything. Yeah, we have a lawn guy. There's nobody down here with a lawn of any size who mows their own lawn because the the lawns are it's 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 a whole you know cottage industry. So there's a lot of competition. So it's not as expensive to get a lawn guy. Like they're pretty reasonable. So Hmm. I mow my own lawn, but even then I'm like "Mm, my my chief lawn mower actually just went off to college. Yep. He's been doing it for like three years, and now I'm like, I did it once or twice myself. I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> I think growing up, so when I was growing up, I think growing up, more people down here where I am do, like, I took care of our pool, but I never mowed a lawn. Mm. That's Florida in a nutshell. What the hell exactly. is a pool? <laughs> were, were you in your Speedos? Were you in your, what no. was this? Oh, nice. A banana hammock. Very good. Thanks for drilling down on that one, Marty. That was... <laughs> For those of people who weren't really aware of what you were saying, it was important to it's white really paint an image. I was really paying attention. By the way, so Rob, <laughs> you and I are in the same phase of our life we went in together. Empty nesters. How are you doing with it? Oh, I thought you were going to say prostate. <laughs> uh, okay, empty nesters. <laughs> uh, empty nesters. It's, it's weird, but I, I became a um, part-time dad due to a divorce when the kids were very little. So I've always had them about half the time and then half the time my current wife and I would be sort of just a couple that didn't have kids. So part of me still thinks he's just at his mom's house, right? It wasn't really unusual to have 
the house to ourselves for three, four, five days at a time, depending on schedules. Or if it, and then even the summer before he went away, you know, after he got vaccinated, he and his friends who basically missed half their junior year and their whole senior year went to Cape Cod for a week, went to Utah for a week. He was out every night. I'd hear him come in at one in the morning. So it was like a, it was almost like the last little bit of him leaving the house rather than he was here every day and then and then he was gone. The, the good thing is he's, he's doing great. He loves college. He that's seems to be great. having a great time. So I feel like that's good. And my daughter, who just graduated college, got a job in an apartment 20 minutes away from us in this town. So we go see her like once a week. We grab dinner and stuff like that. So one kid enters, one kid returns, that, that sort of thing. Nice. Nice. Very good. All right. Well, here, here's why we got you here. But behind me is a huge, huge elephant in the room. Now, when uh, y'all contacted us, you said, hey, guess what? Uh, guys, you know that game that you've been so excited about coming to Kickstarter for us to remake, Thunder Road? Well, guess, guess what? It's coming out on Kickstarter, and we know you guys have been excited about it, so we want to come on and tell you all about it. When we set this up, well, that was that was going to be the whole plan for this evening, but since then, something happened in that the day after, the two days after the Kickstarter started, it was canceled and going to be postponed for the future. So the name of this big elephant behind me is Why? So I, normally for our other Kickstarters, we come on beforehand and you guys always make a prediction that we're going to make a million dollars in like two minutes. And I, we did not do that this time. So I'm really blaming you all. And I'll accept that blame. <laughs> I, I will not. I, I, you know, I wasn't going to start pointing fingers at them, Justin, but I think someone just had <laughs> accountability is, no, we, we screwed up. Yeah. And it, Rob's talking specifically us and really mostly me, but, you know, Rob's my partner. So there, there's it was, it was at the top. It was I mean, at the top. Um, yeah. yeah. So what happened was. We've all, the pandemic's been stressful, like people, the work's not getting done at quite the speed it is because people are under a lot of psychological stress and we were falling behind and we had like, you know, our unmatched line, like we were dealing with stuff with Mondo and that fell behind and then we'd finally get stuff off to the manufacturer and then we'd find out that shipping was delayed. So like, it's just been hard, mm -hmm. right? It's been hard for all of us and it's been hard to keep things moving, but we really wanted to get this Kickstarter in before the end of the year. And we wanted to do it not too late because then it's holiday shopping. And so we just put this date on the calendar and Justin and I had like a, a pact that it was just, this is when we were doing it, people make it happen. And we, it was dumb. There's that scene in Hunt for Red October where he talks about that story of, uh, is it Cortez who burns the ships when they get to the new land to motivate the people and. You know, it turns out that's a stupid idea if you need the boats, you know. So we, I, I just say, like, we're going to do it on this date. You know, we're not moving it. And I, the idea was that basically we would get it done somehow. We knew it was going to be tight, but we'd get it done. And by get it, what do we mean by it? So we could talk about that too, right? Yeah. So we did a little postmortem last week where we, we basically looked at the numbers, looked at velocity, and, like, we didn't – the Kickstarter page isn't telling the story we want to tell. You never want to go into a Kickstarter with the graphics completely done because then some people, you know, justifiably want to be like, hey, can you do this or add this? We want to leave some flexibility, but you want them somewhere around 70, 80 percent done so that it, you, people get a sense of what you're doing, but there's still room to adjust or maybe 85. And we were like at 60 and the vehicles, you know, it's a car game. So the vehicles are important. Like those were coming along, but they're again, they're more like 60 percent along and we all knew where they were going to go as opposed to 85 and when we, we did it, and we were so focused on just hitting the state, then we looked at the numbers, and I knew within 10 minutes hmm. yeah. that this, these, these, these numbers were off. And we realized we didn't really do the marketing. The, the page wasn't telling the story we, we wanted to tell. 
we had like typos and little things we made. And then people were asking all these questions like, aren't the cars going to be like this? And is this the graphics like that? And I so you sort of shake your head and wake up and go, oh my goodness, yeah, no, we know where this is going, but this story is not telling how good the game is. Because when we did our post-mortem, after we canceled it, we sat down to design and said, okay, we're, we have until January. Did we rush the game design? Is there anything we want to change on the game design round? Did we like, and we still feel like we changed nothing. Mm. The, the game design was done, but we didn't leave enough time for the illustrator and the 3D artists and the graphics team and marketing to tell the story of the game. And by about three months, we needed a couple more. Yeah, and, and really, we they got it done, which is a testament to the rest of the team. I mean, I want to be perfectly clear. The rest of the team, Jason and with Jason Kingsley, who we brought on to help us with this, uh, you know, Lindsay and Suzanne, and uh, we have an editor and the, the 3D models, all this, uh, just really busted their butts like nobody's business. I mean, I don't even know Jace, what Jason was, you know, running on at the end there. And they got it done. The problem is we got it done right when it was needed to be done, like literally within minutes of launch. And we didn't leave ourselves time to reflect and say, oh, this is not doing a good job of conveying what we wanted to. We had this great idea for this video, which came out amazing. I don't know if anyone has seen the video. Uh, mm -hmm. So <laughs> we'll tell that story. So, you know, what was it six months ago or eight months? I don't know how long. It seems like forever ago. Rob stumbled on this song that really sort of struck a chord with him as far as like being a perfect fit for like just the feel of the game. Uh, it's Kill of the Night by June Wigmore. It's like a legit song, not, you know, some royalty free tune. And so he's like, we got to get this song. So I spent like months trying to get this license done. Finally got it all done. We got it. In the meantime, Jason's working with uh, animators uh, we brought in to do this little animated short essentially to, you know, with this as the, the soundtrack for that, that short. And, like, the feedback's constant, like, right up until the last minute. When they finally got it done, I, I posted it on short on uh, social just a short time before the Kickstarter was ready to launch. And the video came out amazing, but it didn't do everything we needed to do for that video, again, to explain, to show people what the game is really all about. So, again, all the pieces that are there are themselves of high quality, but it didn't come together as a whole. There's missing aspects of it. There's things that are unintentionally misleading about, you know, the, the style of the gameplay or, you know, the style of the art or the theme a little bit. So it just was a little unfocused because we didn't leave ourselves time to, to do that last bit and make sure everything was where we wanted it to be. And especially also, again, as Rob said, like in our heads, we know what it, it, we have the context of seeing the big picture, but as someone coming to that Kickstarter page, they don't. They're only seeing what's on that page. That's all we're giving them. And we just, you know, there were things that we didn't do in, in terms of representation. And I could see that, as Rob said, we knew, so we knew there was a problem almost immediately because normally you get that launch and you see that velocity of the backers coming in and, and the backer numbers going up. And, the, and it, it was good. It was a nice, solid showing, but we knew it wasn't, where it was. And there was actually a really interesting piece of data that I, I looked at. I don't even think I told the rest of the team this is on your dashboard. You can see the number of people who are following. So after you launch, you can follow a project or you can back, right? Or you can just leave, obviously. <laughs> um, our ratio of people who went and said, oh, I'll follow this versus the people who backed was like much higher than it normally is. So there were people who were coming and say, oh, 
I mean, it looks, I'm interested, but I'm not sold yet. And that was a lot more than what it normally is. And so to me, that was a perfect example of like, we got some attention, but we didn't, you know, seal the deal as it were. And that, and by almost by definition, that means the page is not doing what we want it to do. And so we certainly could have just continued on and we would have funded almost certainly. We had more than 50% the first day. And usually you do about a third on the first day, a third during the quiet middle, and then a third during maybe the last 48 hours. So we would have funded, but it was sort of a disservice to all the work that everyone else did. I should mention the other designers, Dave Chalker and Brett Myers, who were the lead designers on the restoration. You know, they put a ton of work into this. And for us to, and and, uh, Jim Kiefer is the original designer of the game. He, you know, entrusted us with this uh, property. Um, the artist, uh, Marie Bergeron, was she was hustling to get all this, you know, we need this piece for the, to show this and this piece to show this. So all these people put this time and effort in outside of Team Restoration. And it just felt like we were doing a disservice to them to just sort of get to the finish line, have a, a fine Kickstarter, and not really do it justice the way I think it should be done. And so ultimately, that was why I said, we, we talked it out, obviously. and But my mind was like, we just should start over and like either way is not great, but it better if we, we relaunch and give this a real opportunity to do what we feel like it should do. So Marty, I guess for, you know, someone who loves Thunder Road, who has the original, I would have never have thought that because for me, it's a no brainer. And I'll admit I'll own the failure as well. Cause I was on vacations. So I couldn't do the first day backing. So, so I own that. Yeah, Rob's disgusted. Done. <laughs> I, I know. And I mean, I signed up on the Facebook to get the notices and to get my, there was some trinket you're supposed to do or something. I don't know. It doesn't really matter now, but I guess I would have never have thought how important, you know, the, the Kickstarter page is. And I guess, you know, when I think back, if you don't know about the game or anything like that, that's the hook. That's what brings them in. And I, I didn't realize it, you know, from that standpoint. Yeah, there's there's two things. You need to get people to the page, and then once they get to the page, you have to excite them. And, you know, someone once said to me, you have to bring the crowd to crowdfunding. And what we've done in the past is we've dedicated time to come on shows like this, to talk to press, to send sample games to reviewers. He called us press. That's funny. <laughs> well, I mean, I said shows like this and no, Okay, okay, like okay. that's fair. That's fair. Yeah. And so we didn't do that because we were late on everything, and, and, and there's a slight hubris i think that in retrospect that came to us like that people it's thunder road people this is what we do people will get it and i think people either didn't know but some people knew and then the people who did know showed up and then a larger than average percentage of them went maybe maybe you know like our pricing was a little bit off or one of our one of our um offerings like we've done the math the the price for 25 dollars is is very good for what you get compared to other games but the picture and the way we described it didn't make it look like it. We just had all these, like, it was a thousand paper cuts that when you look at it, like, you're bleeding out. Yeah, so that was a big thing is a lot of people, we got, so we got a sort of a few comments that were repeated by a number of people. And some of those are great. Like, some of that is why I actually, I love Kickstarter. I know a lot of people sort of do it begrudgingly. I actually really enjoy them. I wouldn't want to do them every week or anything, but... As often as we do them, I think they're great. They're a great way to, you know, build community and sort of talk to your community and your fans and whatnot. 
that feedback that we get on the first day is like, oh, like, hey, they didn't like the box for the Maximum Chrome Edition. Cool. You know, we put out a box and not not the the quality of the the cardboard, just to be clear, I that running joke that will never die. But uh, the the art for it, we did a, Jason did this sort of slick special art thing, and people were like, yeah, I, I like the art on the like they, there was no illustration. I like the illustration on the original, but they missed that. So like that's the kind of feedback we can take in a regular in a Kickstarter and say, oh, we get it, and we redesign. Like we did that with Fireball Island, our original line. We thought it'd be cool if we got rid of the rivers and put lava shoots. And everybody's like, no, you got to have the river. So okay, we put the river back, you know. <laughs> Uh, and then you have to distinguish that between things like, hey, people are not understanding why this $25 expansion is worth the money, like the value proposition that we're making with that that skew, right? And it's because just a few little things, like the illustration we had to rush, we didn't have time to do, it, so it's a group of custom command boards with individual personality illustrations on them, but we didn't have time to finish all the illustrations, so we just showed a stack with one on top. Things like that. Uh, it doesn't show what all the different abilities do to mix up the gameplay and really get, bring a ton of variety and re- replayability, which most people really look for. Um, the rule book was we put all the rule books sort of in one Dropbox folder under one link, but it was not associated with that SKU. So I think a lot of people didn't know there was a rule book on that page. And again, some of this stuff we could have just changed on the fly. And that was what the discussion was, right? Like, do we the next day is like, do we try and fix this stuff in real time on the fly or do we cancel and relaunch ultimately we decided obviously to relaunch but i think the main reason is there's a lot of people who if you don't catch them the first time they're not necessarily going to come back or you're certainly going to lose some people at that point but then also it wasn't fair to the team again it was just sort of it would be compounding that problem right like hey we need to fix this art asset or we need to do this and everything from that point forward is it needs to be done immediately because we're already under the gun. And again, just not fair to the team. Mm-hmm. Buy ourselves a few more months, get dot all our I's, cross all our T's. We're looking to have like a really nice prototype of a much more finished product at PAX Unplugged so that we can get some media plays, get some uh, de- live demos with the actual. We had the demo of the the old prototype with the, the place, placeholder art at you know, Gen Con and Origins. And everybody who played it loved the game. And we're like, oh, this is not final art. <laughs> but nobody got to play it with the final art, putting those photos out, putting people putting videos out of their playthroughs and things like that. Suzanne, I mean, Herculean effort. She went and she we got a TTS module with updated art that we ended up putting on the thing, on the campaign page. And she went out and organized these like media plays at the, really within the at the 11th hour. And got pull quotes from like six different people, which was amazing in and of itself. But that's very different. We didn't have video playthroughs. We didn't have anywhere where people would say, oh, I see the game now. And so we were going to scramble to try and set those up. But again, not fair to to everyone to try and rush it, you know, in that while we're already in the middle of the campaign. That makes good sense. And I understand all that. I, it's just interesting to me how you could. Tell me I'm totally wrong here. I probably am. It seems like the nature of Kickstarter has changed over the years. It seems... Years ago, when Kickstarter first came around, the object was, all right, we need at least, example, project project A. We need at least $100,000 to get this made. We have 30 days to get $100,000. Good, we did it. It seems to me that if a Kickstarter doesn't come out of the gate, almost making its 
goal in the first day, it's frowned upon. So I don't understand how we went from, we have 28 days to try to meet this goal to, oh, we need to meet this goal in two days and then tons of stretch goals after it. And the answer is stretch goals, but go ahead, Rob. <laughs> yeah, the answer is stretch goals. Kickstarter is set up for a variety of creative and artistic projects. And the one I like to talk about is if you're making a movie, stretch goals are really interesting because it's like, hey, you know what? If we if we get a little extra money, we'll buy a better camera. And if we buy this, we can get a second person on set. And everything you're doing is you're paying for an extra discrete item or an extra person's time, like a composer or a second editor or another week in the, uh, you know, at this location. And so if you get an extra 20000 it's like it's going to cost us 18000 to do this, and then 2000 will keep as a slush fund or, or profit. It's much harder in board games to <clears throat> get that same cadence because what people want is more stuff in the box. But the box isn't like a discrete number. It's not like you say, okay, we're going to make all the cars out of die-cast metal as opposed to plastic because that is an increased cost in every unit of that game made, not only on the Kickstarter, then if you sell up your Kickstarter, you get twice as many backers because of it. Now it's twice as expensive. And then you sell it in retail. And then you're doing another like, you know, 20,000 units if things are lucky. So it's a very weird thing to manage goals and stretch goals and Kickstarter. Because yeah, it would be interesting to say, we just want this much money to prove that this, this project will work and it's worth our while. Can you back us? But without stretch goals, there is a sense of, from, a, from a number of people, not everyone, that, that you didn't give them more. And it's a delicate balancing game. I'll just wait for retail. And I'll be honest with you. I understand like the sort of nostalgic view, if anyone knows nostalgia, it's us, right, uh, of Kickstarter as like, I need this to get the project done. And honestly, I mean, that was the case for Dark Tower. Like, We couldn't have made that game without a Kickstarter. Could we make Thunder Road just the base game and, you know, maybe an expansion and bring out other expansions on there? Of course we could. Sure. It's a board game. I'm, 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 I'll be honest with you. I'm super excited to finally be doing just a regular board game <laughs> after Fireball and Dark Tower. That is certainly a way to do Kickstarter. But I also think it's a way, and again, the part that I really like about it is building a community around a game. Our Dark Tower Kickstarter community is amazing. The comments and the excitement and, you know, the positivity is just, it's just amazing. It's like, it's like fuel for me. I love it. And really good questions and really honest, you know, questions about, you know, at this point now we're talking about logistics and things, but you, you know, I've always believed if you are transparent and honest, people will understand. And that's been the case. Like people are understanding about what's going on right now. So we're just keeping everyone up to date. That's what I want for Thunder Road. I want that community for this game as well. So it's a little bit of a different, uh, you know, target, if you will, for a Kickstarter like this than something else. And then also, like I said, I think part of it is stretch goals. I know a lot of people, you know, they're fake or whatever. And, and on some level, I mean, they're not fake in the sense that, you know, we're not, this is stuff we're not going to put in if we don't do it. We don't hit those goals. But we do plan to have stretch goals because they're fun. Like people dig them. They get people excited. They get people checking in. And that gets people commenting and people meeting other people who are excited about the game. And you see these side conversations about, you know, when they played the game as a kid or I never played this one before, but I, you know, love the Mad Max movies or whatever it is. Right. So I think that's a totally separate function of Kickstarter that is obviously more important for a campaign like this than something where you you know you need the money to get the thing made. Yeah, and as we talked about earlier about coming in with it 80, 85% done, uh, you know, a one-month Kickstarter is a good chance to see the people who are most passionate about a game 
why they're passionate and where we're missing, right? If we just make a game and we put it out, we might hear from people, I don't like this art style. And it's too late. You've made 10,000 of them. But if you have a Kickstarter and people say, I don't like this box cover, I want the cars to be grittier, or why can't you capture more of this feeling? Everyone's going to have a different opinion, but you start seeing the same three to eight things again and again and again. And you say, okay, this is supposed to be a big seller for us. We hope to have it around for a couple of years. These are the people who are most passionate, and this is where we're missing. And this, and conversely, this is the things they're most excited about. So maybe we hit that on the back cover a little harder. If they're excited about this part of the game, maybe someone picking it up in a store will be that excited. So it's a good conversation uh, for a game that is almost but not quite done to both see where we're missing, where we're hitting, and what communication points are the things that get people excited. And almost inevitably, someone... You know, you got to just read and read and read, and you're going through and you're going through, and then someone will say one comment, and you go, ooh, that's a great idea. We could do that. That would make the game better, because it doesn't matter how much time 10 people put into it, or 15, it depends how big the team is, you're going to get thousands of people who have ideas, and there's going to be some things there that we never would have thought of. It's a just a metaphor, I guess, but Kickstarter is in my social media group uh, on my apps. It's not, you know, it's not a utility. It's not business. It's not restoration. It's social media for me. So I want to explore something as far as, you know, bringing people to the Kickstarter. When Marty and I started the podcast, oh, good gosh, nine years ago, you know, I was on the Kickstarter pages and, and I have not, as time has progressed, I have backed away from them. I used to go out and see what's new, what's coming out. Now I don't even go out there. Don't even look at it. How do you pull them over to the Kickstarter? Well, I mean, I, I saw you, like I said, I signed up on Facebook. So, yes, I go to Facebook still. But other than that, I mean, how do you draw them in? I mean, that's what we have Suzanne for. Okay. <laughs> you know, that's she's a, a mark, our marketing guru. Uh, but, yeah, and that was, again, another thing where we didn't give her enough time to put a full marketing plan in place or, in particular, to have assets to use in marketing. We were scrambling, like, I need an image that has anything and a logo on it, you know, that kind of stuff, rather than very specific things. I will say we also partner with BackerKit. Uh, they do our post-campaign pledge manager, but they also do our campaign marketing for us. They're excellent, really good to work with. I, this, this is stuff that I don't deal with. Suzanne knows a lot about this, but it's good to have them as a partner to specifically manage, like in particular, Facebook marketing and, and Instagram and a couple of those platforms. Um, that's just a matter of getting eyeballs to, you know, to click on buttons. And again, getting to the campaign page, I feel like we could have done more there, but I feel like that obviously was not our major problem. Obviously our major problem was again, getting people there, but not getting them to convert to clicking that pledge button. Yeah. We didn't tell them the story of how cool it was. And that's, that's just on us. It was just too few people doing too much in too short a time because we, we put a deadline down, which made a lot of sense but really didn't triple check or read the room right of, oh, we're going to come up short. Like it's, we're going to launch. And it's going to be pretty good. I mean, to be fair, when we canceled, we had over a quarter million dollars. And I, and I understand that that's... But given how the reaction has been on the game, we knew that we were not talking to some people who, if we just said it a different way or took some more time, they go, oh, I get it. Oh, yeah, no, no, that's cool. I didn't understand what you were saying before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm interested in that. It had the chopper. Get to the <laughs> chopper. That's all the game needed. I'm sorry. My original had it. You got it back in there. 
people should be really excited about. That. You would be embarrassed at how long it took us for us to rename it from helicopter to chopper. <laughs> yeah, some playtester said, why aren't you calling it the chopper? And I went, oh, no. And I went back to the original game. I went, right, it's chopper. But I, by the way, that was a f- flawless Austrian accent. <laughs> <laughs> Did you say Australian or Austrian? I think for you, it doesn't make a difference. Throw another shrimp on the bobby. <laughs> Dumb and dumber. Okay. All right. So you've talked about all these changes that that you're going to be making. So what can we see coming in January when it's supposed to relaunch? When you go to the Kickstarter page, what will look different? Is it pricing? Is it? You said the arts, and it will be updated and stuff. But aside from that, what will look different that will bring people in? A big one, I think, is we'll have playthroughs. Um, so that's we're working very hard to get high quality prototypes that we can do playthroughs at PAX Unplugged, and then obviously to send to some content creators. Yes, absolutely. Uh, I, got, I had my hand up. I'm Everybody's like, what? That's right. We're not on video. Good point. So I think that's a big thing so that people can watch the gameplay. I, I made the mistake where we had the TTS module in there. I was like, oh, that'll make up for it, basically. But obviously not. Like, There's a lot of people who don't do TTS. And th- there were people who played it and were like, oh, yeah, this is pretty cool. Uh, but they weren't like you know, content creators, they weren't, and we had one person after we canceled, put, put one up and they seem to have a great time with it. So that's, that's the kind of stuff we need in there where people can see it being played in a fun way. And then, uh, you know, we are looking at, uh, if, at sort of reorganizing the SKUs a little bit, uh, nothing major. Um, I don't think the pricing is out of whack. I don't think the shipping is out of whack. I don't think honestly the the goal the the funding goal was out of whack. Although those are all things we were going to take another look at when we sort of finalize. So it's too early to say. There might be a some small changes here and there, but I think it's much more going to be about presentation and and art and and that and components and a few things like that. I we had this whole last minute thing with the dice the dice where we. We sort of had dice designed for the custom dice, but we didn't have the sort of regular dice design. So we sort of just derezzed the regular dice and just put words on for the regular dice and, and stuff like that. And it wasn't obviously what we were going to do for final. Uh, so that, that all that stuff will be finalized where people can see what the components are going to be looking like. Again, as Rob said, 85%. You know, we still want that wiggle room and that feedback uh, where people... Okay, it's probably worth mentioning. I just want to mention uh, for people who are listening, we don't we're planning on still fulfilling in October, which should give you an idea of how you know not far along we were. The design was all done, but in terms of the production files, uh, and so the idea is over the next few months we'll get all that stuff much closer to to finished, and then we'll have that last little bit of feedback before we would normally be going hitting the big red print button to get it ready, and again still be ready to get here in time for October. I think some of the feedback we saw is, you know, the original game was a playoff of Mad Max, probably beyond Thunderdome at the time. And everyone who was backing this was like showing pictures of Fury Road and like very excited about this Mad Max vibe. And when we were planning, we we're like, that's a little played out. We're going to pull back and do some other stuff. And then we basically saw this like, oh, it's not played out for the people who want to back this game. They, they want the Mad Max thing. And we were like, uh, it's been done. There's other games that do that, so we're going to go over here. We're still going to do a different take on it, but we're one of the things in the past week is okay, more, more grit, more post-apocalyptic. And it gives the art. Now, this is something that we probably would have done if the Kickstarter kept going. We're like, oh, let's revise the art to see this. Is what I'm talking about, like people want a little more post-apocalyptic, a little more Mad Max, a little less 
um, of what we were doing. And we would have done it in real time during the Kickstarter. Well, now we're just going to do it behind the scenes and have it mostly in place. Mm -hmm. So probably the one in January is going to be closer to 90% done because one, it's a second chance. We don't, you don't cancel for three months and then come in and go, it's still kind of a work in progress, right? Uh, so we're going to probably go past where we normally would go with other ones. And we're going to be closer to our deadline of turning it over for production. So, you know, it, it, the week, there was a lot of good learnings in 24 hours. Not fun learnings, but good learnings. And, I, and I, I'm really happy. Well, I'm not happy that we had to cancel because that's a failing of us to be smart people. But I'm happy that we did because I think in our in our culture, both in America and in the board games and a lot of things, if you start something, it's seen as a real failure to go, oh, well, hold on, this isn't working. I'd like to do it again. Right. You sort of just get in. It's like, well, I'm committed. I said I would do it. I'm going to see this through, even though this isn't going to work. It's not like the gritty athlete leaving it all out on the field against like, no, we just made a mistake. And I'm actually glad that we have the type of company that said, hold on, we're sorry. We tried. We rushed it. This isn't fair to anyone. It's not fair to you. It's not fair to our team. It's not fair to the designers. They made a good game. We're just going to do it again, and, I, and I'm, you know, sorry we we made a mistake. To be fair, that's what Tony wish he had said nine years ago when we started this show, <laughs> or ninety minutes ago, really. <laughs> now, hold on. Well, to be fair, from that standpoint, though, I'm not hearing a date that's going to say, "Oh, because we canceled, we're going to delay delivery." That's I'm not hearing that. And by the way, it's one to nothing, Houston, in the bottom of the first. I know. I know you know. <laughs> I know. But the, the, the people listening, hundred percent know. They know the results. Okay. I, I'm pretty sure if they're listening, they probably do know. <laughs> this is true. This was a leveling check to see how much he's paying attention, Marty. Okay, well, he's paying attention. He's he's multitasking over there. So, but you're not going to extend the date. We're 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 not planning on extending the date. We're not hoping on extending the date. Some of this, to be fair, relies on freight that is continues to be a tangled knot. Mm-hmm. But we know when we have to deliver files to hit October. We're planning on turning over our files around that time. It's just the Kickstarter is going to be much closer to that date, which means we need to be more buttoned up and have less time to adjust things. We're still going to be able to time to adjust things, but we're going to have everything sort of not ready to just, as Justin said, hit the big red button and hit print, but much closer. Like we're going to be like, okay, we're going to put this up. We're going to have about a month for a Kickstarter. We don't know exactly when it is in January. Um, and and then when that Kickstarter is done, we almost want to be ready to say go, you know, like within a week after that or two weeks. I'm not the person who hits that button or does it. That's my wife and she's not in this room. So I'm not going to speak for her because I like to stay married to her. And if I start promising when we're going to deliver this and then she feels obligated, it's going to look bad for a lot of people, mostly named me. I will say for those who are listening that didn't get to see how this game works. I don't know. T- Tony, you've played it more than I have, but this is one of those games that I-, I know you say you had TTS mods, but this game is, is way better when you're sitting at a table with friends and moving little cars around and flying the chopper. And Tony has to make his sound effects of gun shooting and stuff like that. If you allow yourself to get into it, it is a fun fun group game to play to where you're yelling at each other and standing tts can't do that so i'm glad to hear that you're going to get prototypes out too and and it it packs you and stuff for people to play because it just wouldn't translate as well because it's such to me it's a social game also very much sure 
As Tony said, uh, we're still hoping to deliver in October. The relaunch date is sometime in January. Right. I would say mid-January, maybe. <laughs> but we'll have, a, obviously, a... Yeah, we, we don't know. What we're going to do this time is be smarter. I mean, just to give you the, the sense, like, I think a lot of people don't know the decision behind it. If you do it too early, people are coming out of the holidays. They won't be aware of it. Right. And if we have sent anything out to media or content creators to do videos or playthroughs, they're not going to make them over the holidays. So they're not going to be ready at the beginning. Tony and I will because we're dedicated. Don't be shaking your head, Tony. This is your game. This is being made because of you. Yeah, right. If you if you go too late in January, then when the Kickstarter is over, you've missed your window to send it out to the factory before Chinese New Year. Mm. And you've, you've slipped like five weeks. So there's this little window in between where pe- we can build up discussion about it and people can see what it is and watch the videos and know it's coming. But it ends at such a time that we can still get our files out the door and not have it ship in December instead of October because we made the Kickstarter like one week too late. So these are the these are the factors that play into these decisions. See, it's just not that easy, people. Just, I mean, listen to the man. He's telling you, he's telling in October, things can happen, right? There could be another pandemic where things shut down and it could be delayed. Another uh, one? Yeah, was oh my gosh. One. Can we get through this one first before <laughs> the second one comes out, before yeah, COVID-21? I mean, man, there, were, there, were many, there were many other places we could have gone with that, but okay. <laughs> He's such a Debbie Downer I know my there. class is always empty. It's not even half. It's always empty. Yeah, that's true. And that's fine. Now, and Marty's about this game. I, I will to piggyback off of what Marty said. I mean, for me, this is a game that tells stories. Always mm. has been because. Wait, that, what, Whoa! Yeah, I was going to say. Publisher. Oh, I'm sorry. The other we guy. love you, Ignasi. No, no, my games tell story. He just coined the term. <laughs> <laughs> you ought to put my games also tell stories. There you go. Yeah, that that's a really good motto. <laughs> that, that's that. No, that's that's better. Hi, I'm Pepsi. Like you know, it's just like there's not a um, no no like Ignacy and I both come from role playing a passion for role playing and, and running a lot of role playing games. We both want board games that evoke that sense. And Justin's the same place. I mean, he did role playing stuff before we did this. So we're all people who want to create story. What what Thunder Road does actually is it creates wonderful cinematic moments. And I think another place when we're talking about things that we missed was um, uh, there is strategy in the game. Right. You have to decide what, you know, like how you're going to move and whether you're going to be aggressive or you're going to stay behind. If you stay behind, you can shoot people. That's good. But it's a race. So you want to be ahead. But if you're ahead, then other people can shoot you and it's a more dangerous path. Or do you stay on the road to get to go faster or do you go off? Like there's there's all sorts of tactical and interesting ways to allocate. And yes, there's going to be dice and stuff. But I think, again, a failing of our messaging was some really cool cinematic things happen during this game. Cars collide into each other and they move and it hits a mine and it blows up and it lands behind another car and then it shoots it and that car goes in and stuff that you would expect to see in a movie. And we are so enthralled with those that we were just talking about those, which I think gave the message that it was a random crap fest of unpredictable kinetics and and pinball explosions. And it has those moments, but you play the game, you create those moments. The game doesn't play you. That is something that wasn't coming through originally. So I, I... I think it's a very fascinating game. And as you add on the different expansions, you get more and more strategic and more and more tactical and you get to be clever. The, the base game is very, I don't, I don't want to call it very casual. It's, it's medium weight on purpose. And then you can add some stuff in. One of our expansions is a three piece big rig truck that if it runs into someone, the other thing is moving, but it also doesn't turn that well. 
So you can basically get it to run into walls and things and do all sorts of interesting stuff. And there's a lot of fun things. And then there's five motorcycles that absolutely just slip between the other cars. And they're really squirrely and hard to pin down. But if you hit them, they're usually out for the whole race. So we've got heavy hitters and you know nimble stuff and different uh, drivers that you can put in that bring their own powers and cars can have upgrades. And like we've got a whole system here that going back to what we were saying before, we buried and you had to find it. Mm. And we just want to bring it to the front when you show up on that page and be like, oh, yeah, here's the base game. Straightforward, fun, tactical. You can play with kids. You can play casually. You want a little more? Add this. You want more? You want fire? Play this version where now the roads are on fire and then you're on fire. Being on fire, uh, well, unlike the real world where being on fire is bad full stop, sure. mm-hmm. in, in this world, being on fire about half the time just makes you go faster because <laughs> you're on fire. And then, and then sometimes the fire goes out and sometimes you explode. So that's, again, one of those decisions, which is near the end of the race, and there's a spot. If I go over that spot, I'll catch on fire, but I probably won't explode before the finish line, but I might. So why don't I send that car through the fire and this car around the fire? So I've got my safe car and my risky car, and then we'll see which one. And then, you know, people chasing you have to decide which one they shoot. And do they go through the fire to shoot the guy who's in the lead? So it's, you know, it's a race and it's a... It's a white knuckle death race, but there's a lot of fun moments. Uh, once again, I apologize for not being on the Kickstarter page the first time to see everything. I'm just envisioning without having seen it because Marty told me, he said, it's canceled. And I'm like, this, this is crushing. This was devastating on my vacation, but that's okay. The modular boards, I see expansions here. I'm, I'm like, I, I was so excited. I was going to have more than just three boards. I was getting excited about this. So I can't wait to see what it's going to look like in January. There's going, there better be at least 20 modules. So, uh, I don't know. Maybe, uh, but I'll say this. Sorry. I I was checking the Red Sox. What's the score? What's the score? Last part. Two to one Red Sox with, they're still in the bottom of the first with two outs and person on first and second. So they've scored all these, got all these base runners with two outs. And I know because I'm on a group text with my two brothers and my cousin who won't shut up about it during this. So this Kickstarter page is no longer able to be followed, correct? If somebody wants to keep up with uh, updates, how will they find out when it's going to launch? So we're going to put up the new page, uh, just the the sort of pre-launch page where you can sign up for notification probably soon, shortly. I just got to get clearance from uh, Suzanne that we're okay to do it. So yeah, you'll be able to find it and we'll point to it on social uh, media, uh, you know, things like that is the easiest way. Follow me on Twitter. I like the followers. Come on. I'm an easy follow. Would you like to give your... Oh yeah. At Restoration Games. (laughs) I was at some sort of escape room scavenger hunt for a second there. Find me if you can. (laughs) I'm an easy follow. <laughs> Woo! Might be something else in there. I, I don't know. Once again, oh, oh my heavens. I'm sorry. What, what was that again? What was that Twitter handle? At Restoration Game. We left the S off for savings <laughs> and because that's the maximum number of characters that Twitter Yeah, allows. which is why we're at Dyson Names because we couldn't fit anything else on there. So I understand how that is too. Mm-hmm. So be looking for the uh, relaunch of the page soon. You can follow there, uh, follow Restoration Games. Uh, do you have a newsletter? We do. You can sign up on our website. Uh, we don't post often, so don't worry if you like don't want to get spammed too much. It's probably about once a month at the most, uh, where we will make announcements. We'll, we'll definitely put that in a newsletter. 
uh, we, we, we just make important announcements about releases and things like that. So yeah, there's a little sign up page on the website. And I think finally, uh, we've talked about some stuff coming out next year unmatched, et cetera, like that. What is the status of return to dark tower for those who are uh, backing and may have not seen your updates your Kickstarter page, et cetera. Other than the when three cargo ships. going out? Yeah, the three cargo ships. No, yeah. oh, we did mention that earlier. There's three cargo ships. When will those land to be processed, et cetera? Yeah, we, the first three uh, containers are on one cargo ship, three containers on one ship. Um, and those should be arriving like right at the beginning of November. Uh, you know, again, all this stuff is with a big caveat. Uh, in which case, if that's the case, and assuming we continue to not have any major problems, People should be getting their games by the end of November and certainly by Christmas. Wow. We do have uh, containers and ships assigned for uh, Wave 4 and 5. Those are also coming to the U.S. And then starting after that, uh, the other waves we're looking to sort of interweave or in, inter, intersperse, I guess you could say, uh, some containers to the other hubs. Uh, so it would be uh, Australia. And uh, UK and EU will be working on those as well. Um, and so it, the problem is, it's you know the game's big. It's it's a hard game to make. The the factory can only make three thousand games a week. They just got hit with a little bit like a little one week hiccup in their production because of power outages that are these rolling power outages going on in China. Um, so that's going to throw some stuff off by a week. Not not right now, but down the road, might make that up in logistics. We don't know yet. So the problem is we're, we're really just like, it's like about a container a week. Uh, and then obviously we have a great logistics partner who's helping us get all that stuff to the various places. So the, the fulfillment's going to continue on through to the end of the year. Um, and then we'll, you know, we'll see how long it takes to get everything out there. In addition to that's the base game. So we did this interesting co-manufacturing arrangement where Panda, who's our regular manufacturer, made a lot of the stuff for the base game and then sent that over to Capable, who is good at making electronic things, and they made the tower and they assembled everything. But all the other SKUs, uh, so the two expansions, or the uh, Alliances expansion, the Dark Horde, uh, I don't call it expansion, but the minis pack and the coffers and all that stuff, uh, all that stuff is now done and ready. Also, we're finding containers for that uh, to ship out from Panda to the U.S., so those will start getting on boats very soon. And again, we'll start getting delivered again, hopefully in time for the holidays. At least some people will start getting their games for sure by then, I would say. Again, barring any kind of weird thing. I will also mention it's going to be too late, but we, uh, yeah, I won't mention that. <laughs> I'm, gonna, I'm going to hopefully stream a play of, with Alliance's expansion, but it will already have been done. But you can probably look for the video when this comes out. Where would that be? Uh, I don't know yet. We just—I literally just decided we're doing this, but I'll—I'll I'll post an update with it uh, on the Kickstarter page and post it in social too. Cool. He didn't decide it this minute. He decided today, but yeah. like at four o'clock, he yeah. was talking about doing it. And I'll say. Let me say this though: the game is amazing. <laughs> Sorry, I want to interrupt that. The game is great. I—I did so many demos of this game, and Brian and know it too at uh, Gen Con and Origins. I still, if there's if if free people are demoing and they don't let me play, I still like to jump in and play this game. I must have played this game over a hundred times by now, and it's wow. still well, easily because you've demoed it a lot. You've yeah. demoed it a lot more than I have, and we we played like a hundred games of a version that wasn't working. But since it's done for like tuning and balancing and things like that, I have, I personally have played close to a hundred. You must be closer. I don't to even know because you've done more demoing. 
Um, so I just, as we were talking about before, I just want to follow up. If you back this game, you might get a game at the beginning of December. If you back this game, you might get a game at the beginning of January or at the end of December. And we're, we are very sorry. It is logistics and it's shipping and we have decisions to make. Do we keep everyone's game back so that everyone gets them at the same time? Or do we just get them as we go? And it's, it's just a bit of a lottery about how it shakes out. And I know that some people are going to be justifiably disappointed that other people got their game like a, a month or six week ahead, especially right around the Christmas mm-hmm. time period. But worldwide logistics and shipping, no one's ever seen anything like this. And so a lot of companies, us including, are making hard decisions of partial fulfillment or full fulfillment or rolling fulfillment or holding everything. And then we would just be paying to warehousing. And there's a lot of things going on. So we're, we're just asking for everyone's patience. This is this is the the international logistics hangover to COVID, which will be ongoing for maybe the better part of a year. And, and, the, and the, you're going to see a number of companies really struggle with this in order to just make ends meet. So I'm just curious, did they have any chip issues when they were trying to put the you know shortage? We keep hearing about sh- chip shortages. And I, I don't know. I've been finding uh, barbecue, sour cream. I didn't have any potato. Issues. Yeah, potato chip. Yeah. I thought he was going to make a Seinfeld reference right there. I'm missing a baseball game for jokes of that caliber. <laughs> Up your game. <laughs> I just want to prolong the pain. So it's funny, for real, though, the, one of the very first things when they started manufacturing was, oh, the place we were going to get the chips from, uh, we can't, I think it was actually the piece, the PCB, printed circuit board, some material, whatever. Uh, they don't have it anymore. And we're scrambling now to see if we can get this. This could be a huge problem. And I almost had a heart attack. And then like 24 hours later, oh, we found somebody. It's fine. I was like, oh, oh, thank you. (laughs) So we dodged, we definitely dodged some potential catastrophes. Again, I will knock on all the wood to that. That continues to happen. Uh, We've had sort of issues, but no catastrophes. And I just want to keep it that way. (laughs) We have other games that we're hoping camp out this year. But due to delays in, you know, just getting stuff to the printer and then de- delays with getting cardboard and delays in manufacturing, there's a whole bunch of stuff that's either going to come out at the very end of this year, like very end, um, or at the beginning of next year. So it, we, we accidentally took a year off from a lot of our product, which was just relaxing. And sure. Chill. Like we weren't stressed about, there was no stress or panic about that whatsoever. We just said, forget it for a year. Yeah. Uh, but next year we have a, a very big slate of games coming out, a lot of plans for Unmatched and Key to the Kingdom and, and a number of other games that we're just very excited about. So what would be coming out at the end of this year, beginning of next year? Well, we have, so end of this year we have Buried Treasure coming and Battle of Legends Volume 2 Unmatched. Those should mm-hmm. hopefully both be, again, cross all your fingers and toes, uh, at PAX Unplugged. And then uh, Key to the Kingdom uh, early next year. And then... Jurassic Park 2 Unmatched, Jurassic Park 1 Reprint, which has been out of print for a while. First two Marvels, those should all be coming out very quickly around each other. We'll figure out the exact timing as you know we get through production there. And then we also have uh, sort of the next uh, unlicensed set is going to be uh, Houdini versus the Genie 2-pack. Oh, cool. has amazing art, really cool characters. Uh, it should be a really fun one. Is this Genie from the 60s, I Dream of Genie? No, it is not. Oh. Come on. Come on. Barbara Eden. I am here for the jokes <laughs> and the lawnmower talk, and both are disappointing. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, maybe what we should Sheesh. do is just cancel this one, and we'll restart it again. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah y'all want to try this one more time? Again? Here we go. Let's bring Tony, it. go ahead. This is probably a good time for me to mention that I haven't been recording. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. We, we've driven down that path for people who don't remember years ago when Justin first came out. Probably one of the first ones. Yeah, the recording kind of failed. We did a whole show, and then Justin's like, oh, sorry, I didn't record. And then two days later. And it was gold. We were up for Peabody's that year if it would have worked. We did the whole show again, and honestly, none of the jokes got better. <laughs> so two things. First of all, I didn't like forget to record. My computer, apparently, my memory like died halfway through the recording, and I didn't. That happens when you get over 50. Yeah, yeah my computer was over 50. <laughs> and then uh, the other thing is that, that I remember distinctly is for the uh, the rebroadcast or the re-recording, Rob brought a very tall, I believe it was a scotch. Yes, <laughs> probably. It was so tall, I don't remember. <laughs> That's right. He was in rare form for that. For that. So, Justin, just want, once again, thank you for the logistics show. We received a ton of comments on that, on just how riveting and entertaining and educational it was, which is unheard of for a Rolling Dice and Taking Names podcast. It's true. And, it's true. and Rob, the, the reason why was Marty and I stopped talking and, and Justin and Scott Morris did the show. I, I thought you were going to say it's because I wasn't on it. And I was going to no. be <laughs> In fact, that's why the beginning of this show, once we got into the meat of this thing, he and I just shut up because that's why people are here is to listen to you two guys anyway. You know, we give each other a, a polite amount of hard time, which I enjoy the, the tone that we have on the show. But it did honestly crack me up that we were like organizing the show and we're doing it Monday or we're doing it Tuesday <laughs> and we're emailing around. And what time do you usually start? And it's like 930 and I put it in my calendar. I think Marty, it was you, who popped back and goes, wait. We're all over 50. Let's start at 7.30 instead. And we're all like, yes, yes, thank you. <laughs> and, and then my next favorite part is, oh, wait, I've got us going on Monday. No, it's Tuesday, Marty. Oh, that's right. It's Tuesday the 18th. No, Marty, it's Tuesday the 19th at 7.30. <laughs> Update your Newton. <laughs> Newton. Wow. I'm glad you pulled that one out. That's pretty good. Jeez. Oh. My palm pilot. Yeah. All right, Marty, are, are we done here? I think we're done, man. All right, gentlemen, if people didn't catch your Twitter at the middle of the show, where can they find you, follow you, do all that stuff? Yeah, but Rob didn't give his. Yeah. Uh, mine is at Rob Davio, and I won't make it a challenge to spell my name. It's R-O-B-D-A-V-I-A-U. And then Justin runs the restoration account, which is, I'll say it this time, at Restoration Game. Because they only do one, and it's not going to be Thunder Road this year. Oh! <laughs> Thank you. It's been a good show, everyone. This is really nice taking names. This is Rob and Justin filling in for Marty and Tony, who will never be back. Hey, y'all. Thanks for listening. If you're not a member of our Discord channel, check out the links on our website, RollDiceTakeNames.com, plus our other links to social media, and come back next episode for our big, in-depth review of Unfathomable. <laughs>